The views and opinions expressed on the Middle Class VO podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests. Any feelings hurt therein are an unfortunate byproduct of the quest for infotainment. Also, please be reminded that concerted efforts have been made so as not to put anyone's knickers in a twist. Having one's knickers in a twist is not an objective or goal. However, if your knickers are in a twist and it persists for more than four hours, please seek out a physician. Moreover, if anyone were to feel besmirched by any of the commentary on the Middle Class VO podcast, it would be purely coincidental. No besmirchment is intended. Please enjoy. This is a very exciting episode of the Middle Class VO podcast. Bobby? This is a guy I've been wanting to talk to for a long time, and we've actually talked on and off a little bit, but I've wanted to get in depth with this guy, and we're going to be talking with J.J. Wilson, legendary voice actor. J.J. Wilson's been doing this for over 25 years, and we're going to be talking, Bobby, about union versus non-union. Oh, I bet he's got some good stories and uh, good suggestions for us. Absolutely. It's a middle-class VO podcast. If you need e-learning, we're just an email away. Corporate narration, tell us what to say. Explain a video, imaging radio, slinging local cars, reading IVR. No, we ain't no stars. This is the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. We are so excited to have on the Middle Class VO podcast a guy that has been doing voiceovers for a very long time. And I wanted to read this quote from his website. My dad asked if I wanted to read the line, mmm, good. I said yes and read the tag with excitement, a bit on the wry side with a very believable smile, not sounding like I was reading it, and with that movie trailer feel, with sort of the attitude of a cross between Mr. Rogers and Rod Serling, as well as the overall read being a little dry. My dad looked at me and said, son, that was just great. What a good read. It had it all. Fantastic. It was, how can I say, perfect. Then he looked at me again with a broad, proud smile and said, let's do one more. I've been doing voiceovers ever since. J.J. Wilson, welcome to the Middle Class VO podcast. I love that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was a, that was almost a true story. That was back in 1967, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe about 1966. I was five. Yeah. Yeah, but you got an early start, man, and and that's you know that leads us into my first question, and there it is, the segue. How did you get started in voiceover? Uh, well, I kind of sucked at everything else. No, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I was brought up in a showbiz family. My, uh, my mom and dad took me to an audition when I, I believe I was ten, to the local high school for their community production of The Music Man. And out of 432 kids, I booked the part of Winthrop, and I got the lead. Nice. And I got to sing and dance, and it was just the the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. And if I could make enough money, I would probably do a lot more of that. But um, from that day on, I knew that I was silly and goofy and loved the stardom and, you know, hanging out with my dad. You know, we were always around famous people and showbiz was my life that's how i was raised you know one day i looked down the driveway and imus is driving up wow the driveway in a red white and blue lincoln he stayed for four days and my dad and he got drunk and they said happy easter (laughs) and then he left and uh 
Wolfman Jack used to call me Jojo, and I kept saying, Mr. Jack, I didn't know what to call him, Mr. Jack, wow. it's JJ. <laughs> Mr. Wolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I just, um, you know, I went through high school, uh, got a great interest in music, and uh, as I got out of high school, I just got lucky and uh, got a video production job, and then from there, I... Uh, got a news job and the commercial writer and the morning man for a radio station in the Keys. I was like the one guy who did it all. And I was 21 then, and uh, I started to do commercials then. Then I worked at WNWS, WLYF for, oh gosh, I guess four years. I kind of faked my way in with a demo that somebody had made for me. And they said, did you do all the production on this? And I went, yes. <laughs> and uh, so I sneaked my way in there. And then I recorded and wrote and... Produced 4,000 spots in three years. Wow. And as that was happening, I had one guy one day say, you know, I really like the spot you're over the station. Do you mind if I use it on TV? I'll give you 50 bucks. And I went, aha. Aha. And a year, a year later, I was leaving the building so much to do voiceovers. My boss, who I'm still friends with today, brought me into his office, said, I love your work. You're great. You're not ever here anymore. And I said, well, I come in in the evenings and get the work done. He said, no. <laughs> No, I love you. He said, go home, talk to your wife. It's time you, you left us and did voiceovers. And I did, and that was 32 years ago. So basically, they just kind of pushed you over the edge then? Yes, yes. I, I thank him to this day for doing that, and I still I do some liners for a station he had in Melbourne, and uh, I always said it took a lot of guts to you know quit the steady income but by that point I was I was seriously leaving three or four or five times a day in Miami and you know driving to South Beach and doing some stuff and then back to the station and I think I put 85,000 miles on my car one year just in Miami Fort Lauderdale that would not surprise me man yeah. and, and you talk about Miami and and you know I go back to Miami days and it's so funny that our paths never crossed in Miami but here you are in the Nashville area which is where I am too and, and our paths have still never crossed personally in face uh, face to face but uh, we go back now I was in Miami from 94 to about uh, 05 2005 okay Were you living there or had you already gone to New York um I left for New York 13 years ago, 14 years ago, so that'd be 2005. I probably just missed you. I think I waved at you as I drove to New York. Kevin, how you doing? <laughs> All right, I've ended up north. Yeah, the, the schools were getting a little overcrowded down there, so I moved up to upstate New York to get into a smaller school and get a yard, and I said, hey, kids, you want a yard? They said, what's that? And I said, well, it doesn't have any sand, and there's no water, but it's, it's really fun. And they said, okay. So that's where I ended up. And by that point, we were all working at home. JJ, whenever I was on the air at WKIS in Miami, my, you know, uh, my first month or so there, I remember hearing this guy doing all these Ford commercials. And I'm like, man, this guy is so good. He sounds so cool. And then one of my coworkers was like, yeah, that's JJ Wilson. He's a Miami guy. And uh, you were the voice for Ford for several years, right? Yes. Yes. South Florida and Southwest Ford. That was a... Uh, uh, Wow, I missed that account. <laughs> oh. oh, Ford? Yeah, that would be a tough one to lose. I missed that account very much. <laughs> oh, I, I imagine. I lost that because of the Screen Actors Guild strike. Okay, that's another perfect segue because that's what we're here to talk about. Union versus non-union. <laughs> so, JJ, just tell us a little bit how you actually got started and, and became a part of the union, how that whole process happened. Uh, I joined, I think, because I got a couple of movie parts. Um, 
couple of Miami Vice episodes. My mom did nine of them, mm-hmm. okay. and um, I had to join SAG at that point, and then I joined AFTRA as well. And eventually, I was a three-term president of my Af- Miami local AFTRA. Wow. And I remember sitting in the room one day during a meeting, and you know, a, a couple of us were were working a lot in the business that sat on the board. And the others weren't working so much, and somehow the scuttlebutt throughout the country was, geez, we're not making enough money through this. We should go on strike. And I looked at everybody around the table, and I said, you people are nuts. I just made 600 bucks for a car spot. I mean, how much more do you want for 34 seconds worth of work? And uh, they, they, they didn't listen, and they went on strike, and I believe it was nine and a half months. But I lost everything. Every one of my accounts was gone because I was, you know, a big staunt union guy and I wouldn't do anything non-union. And uh, they finally came back and said, well, we got you $16 more a spot. And I looked at them and I said, my God. (laughs) Book the cruise. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I said, this may have been good for, you know, the Chicago, New York, L.A. people, the newscasters and things like that. But for, for a voiceover actor... I've lost everything, and the same guy is still doing Ford to this day who took over from me when, and that was, my God, I don't know, 20 years ago. Is it Jeff Bell you're talking about? I don't even know his name. I, I never wanted to know because I would have had to go kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I know you did. JJ, when, when was that? When did the strike happen? I don't even remember. It was my kids were very, very young, probably... Right around 2000. Okay. Okay. That's what I was thinking. You're just blocking it all out of your memory. Yeah. But since then, I, uh, you know, continued working union. And then after the strike and because of the strike, reality TV came to life. Mm -hmm. They couldn't hire union people. So they hired normal people who didn't know what they were doing and put them all on television and radio. And that's when I feel that the, you know except for everybody in New York, Chicago, L.A., all the, the major markets and the actors, the, you know, the big-time actors, mm-hmm. the union really took a dive. And I wasn't making enough money. And, you know, my friends were saying, well, we'll go get a second job. And I went, no, no, I do voiceovers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go work at a hardware store. Yeah, or I'm not going to work at a radio station doing production again. I've done that. This is what I'm good at. And uh, so they, uh, you know, eventually came up with a loophole and I went, it's called Financial Core. So I'm a, a dues-paying non-member. I can't vote on anything, which is fine with me, but I'm still a member. I still get my pensions and insurance, and I can still work through the union as much as I want, but I can also work non-union. So FICOR was the result of the strike, essentially? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, you'll for, have to her. forgive my naivete when it when it comes to the union. Um, but I I just thought FICOR was always in existence. I think maybe it was, but not many people used it then because there was enough union work to go around. Okay, okay. But after the strike, you know, the the producers and everybody were used to using people who weren't union. Okay. You know, they they opened that door for them, and uh, it just it. If I do five union jobs a year, it's a lot. Okay. And I've heard that because I have uh, friends that are in the VO business, and they are staunch union guys, and they're talking about I might do one or two union gigs a year now. Yep. Yep. And I just I didn't want to do anything else. This is what I do. This is what I love, and. So I just made it happen, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Forgive the pun, JJ, but what is the state of the union now? Uh, I really have no idea. 
I have no idea. I know that they're, they have joined uh, unions. Now it's SAG-AFTRA, yet the pensions are separate. The health insurance is separate. Um, they didn't join them completely, and it's, it's very confusing when you, you know, put in for retirement or trying to get uh, health insurance. They keep raising the threshold so nobody can make it. Um, it's, I think it's 5% of union members have health insurance. Mm-hmm. 5%. Wow. That's how little union work there is unless you're a big-name actor or a big-name newscaster or, you know, something like that. The big the union radio stations that are still alive. But for me, I just it's it's impossible to 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 qualify. JJ, let's back up just a second. All right, but it's going to sound off mic. <laughs> eat, eat. Sorry. So then, JJ, what's your overall recommendation for somebody who's thinking about joining the union? All right, um, if you're just starting out, don't join the union. Just don't. Okay, that was another question I had. Yeah, just don't. If you're just starting out, it'll give the opportunity to do a lot more auditioning. And a lot more work in the beginning to hone your craft. Okay. But then if you find yourself starting, uh, you know, a lot of uh, union spots are coming your way. Uh, you've got that kind of an agent or you, you're you planning on going to New York, Chicago, or L.A. Um, you're probably going to need to join the union. And in order, it was a catch-22. I don't know if it still is, but you had to have a speaking part or an, in a movie or a union commercial to be eligible, but you couldn't be eligible until you had... It was weird the way it worked, but... Uh, so that's where Taft-Hartley comes in. They will give you a, a voucher or a pass, I guess, on your first union job. They won't make you join, but that makes you union eligible. Okay. And then it's it's really up to the talent whether they want to join again. They have to make the choice of, you know, if you live in the big markets, it might not be a bad idea. Okay. But if you're a guy sitting in a third bedroom in Nashville, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've got agents all over the country, but most of them now are non-union. So it's really only the big markets. So I really would recommend, not in the beginning, if you get really red hot and you're booking a lot of national union stuff, go ahead and join because there's always the out. And it's also very expensive. Now, I think it's a couple $3,000 to join SAG now. Mm-hmm. So, and not everything is regulated by the union. There's a ton of work that you can do that is not regulated by the union. Uh, for example, radio imaging, um, e-learning, and that kind of stuff, right? Right, and promos, uh, promo work. I used to do the uh, Today Show promos back in the day, and they were non-union, yet NBC was a union house. Hmm. But that wasn't covered under the contract. And it's it's still weird like that today. I've, uh, you know, I've got agents, you're supposed to get paid, I think it's... 15 days from the day of session. Okay. And, you know, agents are taking three weeks to send me the contract, let alone get paid. Right. And, you know, four months later, they call and they go, oh, well, they finally got the contract. I'm going, what am I paying dues for? Who's policing any of this? It's just, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. I I love the union, sort of, but it's going to be an allow me to retire. Let me put it that way. When I was, you know, in the union, I did put a lot through and it, there's a great benefit for that and I will have health insurance that's the other good thing about being a union member and getting vested is that at 65 I have free health coverage for my whole family forever 100% so there's that there is that and there's you know they, they do put stuff away in pension and they invest it and uh, it's it's going to be a very nice pension so there are good things about it it's just I think it really depends on where you live and who your agents are and whether they do union or non-union. 
and how hot you get. For voice actors, will the union always be here? Can you imagine it 15 years from now? Oh, God. Wow. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think they're losing some strength, but they'll, they'll always be that for the, for the big timers. Okay. But I think the, the bar will be raised for only those type of people. But how can they be self-supportive if they are limited to just the big timers? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, at $3,000 a piece for dues. Wow. And, you know, the contributions to their health plan and they make money from their investments on your pension plan. Yeah, okay. They've got a, I think it's $1,660 billion in the pension fund. Good so, grief. Okay. Yeah, so they're okay. okay. Yes. So they're they're okay fun. for a minute. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it, it did me well for a while. It just, uh. When it got to the point, I had to make a decision whether I wanted to do voiceovers full-time and abide by rules which I disagreed with or go get a part-time job and do voiceovers part-time. I said, no, I, I can't let anybody control that. I'm, it's my life, and this is what I want to do, and I made it work. So, so you, don't, uh, you can't envision yourself being a union-only actor driving for Uber and saying, oh, but really, I'm a voice actor. I'm not an Uber driver. <laughs> no, because no, that would be, I can't do the session now. I'm in the middle of Nashville at a restaurant waiting to pick up three people. Because as you know, if you're not sitting in front of the computer, <laughs> you lose. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So, JJ, you've been doing this, what, so long. Can you tell us what some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the industry over the past 25 years or so? Well, the, the biggest one I can think of is going to the studios okay, and doing multi-person spots and, and, and talking to people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I miss those days so much. I mean, God. Uh, do you know the name Dave Corey? Oh, of course. Yes, yes. Okay. It, Dave and I, well, Dave did my first demo. Okay. Um, Daryl Gilly, Connie Zimmett. Oh, Connie, yes, And, uh, you know, we all used to, oh, I miss her so much. She was, yeah. She used to call me when I was working at WNWS doing the uh, production, and she'd hear a spot. She'd call me up. She goes, that spot sucks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> went, Which one? <laughs> and she'd go, the one about this. And I went, okay. She said, go redo it, pull the cart, go recut it, and put it back in. I'll call you. And that's what I would do. And she was one of my main teachers, but she was... She was so far ahead of her time. I mean, she was directing me back then the way they do things today. Yes. It's just amazing. I'm sorry, but I got off the train of thought. No, no, no. But what's funny is we were just talking with Lisa Lou Perry. Oh, sure. Uh, last week on the podcast about that exact same thing about how ahead of her time Connie Zimmett was. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, her, her words to me every time was pull it back. Pull it back. It's got to be more natural mm -hmm. now. This is going away. The big announce is going away. But, you know, she said not for everything. There are the corporate videos and the, you know, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, you know, all that. You still need that for that. But the more unprofessional you sound, the better chance you have of booking. Yeah, isn't that something? It's weird. It's weird because I was raised, you know, with my father and all the people who did nothing but this. You know, Yago Sangria, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> okay. And the weatherman is going to be partly cloudy with a chance of thudderstorms. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> oh, that's great. But yeah, I really, really miss the days of going to the studio. And I feel like for the people starting today, they'll never know what it's like to really have to do a 60 and 60. Yeah. You know I'm one I mean? of those guys. I, I rely on the edit so hard, man. 
It's yeah. it's it's scary. I you know when I first got to doing this, I was producing people uh, in Fort Lauderdale. I was producing I was pr- producing Bob Tracy, Rick Sheffield, uh, Jack Gale. Um, you probably know all these guys. Oh, I love oh. Jack. Oh yeah, I love them all. I love them all. Jack was Jack was oh, awesome. Oh man, man. He, and you talk about a guy that could nail a sixty and sixty, screaming, hitting those price points. Yep. I mean. It was remarkable, yep. remarkable. Yes, but you know, yes. I rely on the edit nowadays. It's 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 a different time. Yeah, and I learned a lot from those guys. Back in the day, you know, you'd do a fantastic read, and it would be sixty-two. And I remember Randy Bird from Bird Nest Studios who looked at me and said, "That was 62. I'd say, "All right," so I got to take off two seconds. He said, "Yeah," and I do it again, and I would, you know, hit fifty-nine point eight exactly. or something. And everybody would always go, "How the hell do you do that?" <laughs> yeah, I said, "Well, I just I've been doing it so long that I have an interior clock that I keep." It's wanting. an art. It is. It is. But uh, there's, I don't know. I, I I'm glad that I started when I did because it. Uh, I think I do more, and people like you know enough to. You know, when I when I do a car spot, for instance, I don't send them three takes of each sentence. I send them a 29.5 or a little bit less, edited and ready for video. Yeah. Or sound effects or music if it's radio. But, you know, I was doing that for a while. People were sending me stuff, and it was like, how many takes of only $59 are you going to do? <laughs> I don't have a half an hour to listen to them all. Give me one good one and let me work it out. But it, it's just uh, the old-fashioned way is... It brings more class to what you yeah. do, and it makes it a hell of a lot easier for everybody on the other side. Yeah. So that's what I try and do with everything I do. It's all done, edited, and ready to go. And if there's a change, fine. And we could do a whole show about changes, couldn't we? Oh, goodness, <laughs> we could. Mackerel. But speed and efficiency is just a yep. huge part of the equation nowadays. It, it really is. I mean, it really is. It's like, you know, with voice, uh, voice one, two, three, you know, I'm sitting here at the computer. The email comes up. I bang it. Do the audition, send it in, and I'm number twelve. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how these guys are doing it. <laughs> I don't know how they're doing it. Oh, but, uh, it, and with that, you know, they got like twenty five hundred members. But if you ever really look, no more than forty people ever audition. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a. I don't like what they're doing lately with their pricing and stuff like that. But uh, I've gotten some wonderful things from from Voice One Two Three. But now they've got things like budget up to the talent. Oh, or the new one is uh, the project for fun. Oh, Love that. that'll be helpful. That's the race to the bottom, man. That's the race to the bottom. Yep, exactly right. We're going to have you back for another episode for sure. But before I let you go on this one, I want to get two stories from you, if you don't mind. Uh, one I heard when you were talking with Linda Bruno, who is a mutual friend. Yes. Uh, a hilarious story about... Tell me the story about the session you had with all these different takes. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had a, a 60, a 30, and a 15. And we did 31 takes of the <laughs> 60. I think 18 takes of the 30. Wow. And, uh, oh, I don't know, 10 or 12 of the 15. <laughs> and when we got done, the guy said, all right. Now that you're warmed up, let's go back to the 60. And I, I, I said to him, I said, are you out of your mind? Oh, my God. I said, first of all, I was warmed up before we started. I've already done three sessions today. I said, second of all, you got nine people on the phone. Oh, oh Lord. Just next time, let it just be you and I so we don't have nine different opinions. It really makes it difficult for the talent. And I said, no, I'm not going to do another 60. 
build one out of the 37 you have. Good for you, man. Good for you. Now that you're warmed up. I love that line. I Every now and then, I, I think I've only done that four, time, four or five times in my career. Um, one more quick one. I was doing a spot for the Herald many years mm-hmm. ago, and it was in the studio. And everybody there was from the Herald. Miami Herald. Yes, the Miami Herald. And I think that the producer's mother was there. And I don't know who the hell all. But um, they had the soundtrack built. It started off with a school bell and then some music. It was a 60. And it would go, ring! And then I would start. And, God, we must have been on take 25. And they were just nitpicking. And I just, you know, they, they, they played another take of it, you know, to, to get me into it again. And the bell went off. And I went, well, there's that f***ing bell again. <laughs> and they all laughed. And then we did a take. And they were fine. Sometimes you just got to steer them away from... Well, I don't know if you said and correctly. Oh. You know, they get too deep into it, and it's just, and I have many more stories. Some of it involves partial nudity in the studio <laughs> with actors who were drunk, um, shooting guns at Bird Nest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, JJ. Yes. Um, Kevin was telling me that you have a really good Sophia Loren story. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Sophia Loren came in with her entourage, <laughs> and um, it was, I, I, what was it? It was either a oh, I think it was Williams Island. Okay. And she went in the booth, and she did one take, and everybody clapped, and it was just wonderful. And they said, thank you, and she came out. and <laughs> So beautiful. And I had my, you know, they looked at me, and they said, okay, go ahead. And I, I, I don't, it was like a one-sentence thing, you know, call Williams Island. It was like a tag, seven, right? Seven, seven, yeah. seven, right, just a tag, a simple tag. I must have done it 20 times. <laughs> and when I finally got done, I said, what the hell? No applause. <laughs> oh, my God. And thank God Sophia laughed. Yeah, really. But uh, the uh, I remember Randy Burr just looked at me with these sharp eyes like, shut up. Sorry, it looked like Sophia Loren, right? Shut That's up. That's crazy. But I'm, I'm sure you have some good stories. Oh, I do. And we're going to have you back. Thank you. It was but, fun. But to recap, in a nutshell, union versus non-union, your advice to uh, voice actors nowadays, once again, with regards to union versus non-union? I would just say, if you're starting out, don't join the union right off the bat. If you happen to book a union job, um, they do issue a pass, I think, once or twice to do the union job, which makes you eligible. But think carefully. Um, If you're really, really just a beginner, I really would recommend not doing that. You know, take the opportunities to do the $50 jobs, the $100 jobs, and, and hone your craft. Because in today's world, there are so many people doing this now Uh, 90% of them are okay, but the 10% who are really working it, you know, have been doing it a long time, and our rooms sound good and and things like that, but just just beware of people trying to rip you off for $5,000 for a demo and things like that. Absolutely. Well, if you have any interest in booking J.J. Wilson, you can go to jjwilsonvo.com and uh, find out all about him. J.J., thanks so much for your time, and, and please, can we have you on again? Uh, yes, I'm available in about an hour. Got to go to the dentist, but then I'm ready. <laughs> JJ, really, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. Kevin spoke wonderful things about you, so thank you. Glad to hear it in person. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And as always, I always say, remember, I'm much taller on radio. <laughs> uh, so we've wrapped up with JJ. What a great episode. J.J. Wilson, again, thank you so much for your time. And, uh, Bobby, I'm looking forward to the next Middle Class VO podcast because these people that we're going to have on next week are such middle-class VO grinders. 
that it's going to be an exciting show. Oh, I know. Neither of us do it, but oh my God, it is one hot genre. And of course, we're talking about the audiobook world. Looking forward to it. Until next time, Bobby, on the Middle Class VO Podcast. See ya. What, no break a lip? The Middle Class VO Podcast is a K2 Media Productions production. All views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests. The McVob Jingle was written and produced by Kevin. Co-produced and performed by Chloe Dolandis. Additional engineering by Zach Zimmett. Bobby's Hair and Makeup by Rebecca Adlita. Kevin's Wardrobe by Slippery Pete's Fashion Emporium. All previous episodes are available for download on Podbean. For the Middle Class VO Podcast, I'm Tracy Thibodeau. I'm Lisa Lou Perry. Thanks for listening. And don't miss the next episode of the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. What was I going to say again? (laughs) Are you hopped up on the goofballs, Bobby? I swear I'm not on drugs or anything this morning. I did not have mimosas with my pedicure. Sipping on gin and juice. Laid back. With my mind on my money and my money on my mind.